What is up, everybody? Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, thank you for joining us on The Hideous Bride. I am Nate. My good buddy Mark is along with me. Please like, share, subscribe, comment. Uh, make fun of Mark. What, what else do we want these people to do? Tattoo your bodies. Tattoo. Hey, mm-hmm. true story. One of our listeners, and he will hear this. He's mentioned getting the hideous bride tattoo. Ooh, and this I like it. is a great buddy of ours who ironically got us tattoo ministry started when we were in college together. So he's infamous infamous for that. Imagine, imagine somebody Now you'd have to be, you'd have to be like somewhat fit for it to really work well, but I guess beer belly would also be fine. Um, And I mean, of course, I mean, root beer, root beer belly, Um, but you know, across the, across the back, you know, right across the back, you know, the hideous bride, you know, just like, yeah. So when you're at the gym and you're working out like people, I mean, I think that's the motion at the gym. I don't, I don't know, but I'm pretty sure, I'm pretty sure that it is, but, oh yeah. So tattoo, let me think uh, anything else here. Um, uh, I maybe, maybe, maybe into the side of, you know, shaved oh, into the side yeah. of your head. If you don't want to go all in with a tattoo, that would be a good temporary solution, right? Because, you know, your hair is yeah. usually going to grow back out again, unless you're like Dan Callahan or, other other friends of ours whose hair seems to be in full and complete retreat and rebellion man we're gunning for legs today i'm thinking you know i see it a lot more in the south with the hotter weather in michigan you see it a few months the back of the thigh tattoos hideous bride hideous on one side and bride on the other oh absolutely very nice you know that would be helpful i don't get the tattoo thing on the back of the thigh or the back of the calf like i saw at the gym because i've been going to the gym i know you can tell but i've been going to the gym and i noticed that i just spend an inordinate amount of time looking at guys calves evidently because there's just one guy and he has an one letter on each of his calves and I'm, i want to ask him like are those your initials do they stand for something else if they're your initials and they're designed to remind you of your initials like why would you get them on the back of your calves where you don't see like i the whole idea of tattoos these days, it just intrigues me. I I ask people everywhere I go, if I'm able to get them in a conversation, I ask them about their tattoos. Because you know what? Unless it's a face tattoo, most people want to talk about their tattoos, yeah. right? They're like, I didn't ask the guy who had three, three teardrops tattooed. I didn't ask him about that. But other than that, I, I love to ask him. Do you have any tattoos, Nate? Inquiring minds want to know. Yeah, I, I don't, but my buddy who listens each week which we'll get to here in a second about when he got kicked out what happened to us afterwards still upset about that but he's got one i tell him all the time i'm like dude if i ever get a tattoo he's got quite a few tattoos i mean and it's it's a work of art all around like legit and but he's got one that he got years ago of it's on his what is as by his bicep on the side there and it's of a weasel smoking a cigar. Okay. Okay. And 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 I'm like, if I ever get a tattoo, that's the one I'm getting. Like, see, just, I, just, I was gonna go with if I ever get a bicep, I might consider <laughs> doing that. <laughs> well, I didn't say that's where I'd put mine. I just said that that's where. 
I, I remember as I a kid, I was like, one, I told I'm, my dad, told if him. I ever get a tattoo, I want to get one of the barbed wire around my bicep. And he's like, no. bicep is the key word, Mark. You, you yeah. first get a bicep, then you can think about that. Because otherwise, yeah. you just look like trailer trash from, you know, somewhere in Arkansas and, you know, knock out a couple of teeth and, and, uh, and you know, little little John boy out of the trailer park with a with a barbed wire tattoo around his arm sticks. I'm definitely, I told him before, I'm getting the weasel one. And, hey, yeah. you know, cause if you're going to do it, you got to get something like that. You can't just, you know, I don't know. It can't be a Bible verse or something like you can get a Bible verse later, but you got to start out letting the street know this guy's legit and yeah. a weasel with a cigar. I mean, what's more street. Lydia. Yeah. What, what, what brings more street cred than that? A and, weasel and he'd, with have a cigar. To, he'd have to, as he listens to this, um, he, he'd have to let us know. I think it was way back when, if I remember the story right, it was like a band or something. Okay. And that was just when he was just getting tats all the time. And, you know, you're thinking, hey, why not? That's cool. What was the name so, of the band? Like the Smoking Weasel or something? Or Screeching no. Weasel? Smoking Weasel? Smoking Weasel? Yeah. I don't no. know. I don't know. <laughs> we're going to get in a whole lot of trouble here. But yeah. I, see, I was going to recommend. I was actually going to recommend starting with a Bible verse, but you just knocked that right off the top. Like, don't start there. Don't start. Well, John 3, no, 16, you know. You got to give the Christians who think they'll pull out a verse in Leviticus, ironically. Oh, they, yeah. Know, certain ones. You yeah. got to let you got to give them the ability to say, oh, well, he got this one later because his first tattoo, it was when he didn't love Jesus. Yeah. So when you get the weasel, then you get the Bible verses later because they'll let you off the hook. But if you just go straight to Bible verse, then they think that you're that's not true. godly. So you got to think these things through. It's a mind game we play, Mark. You but, can't you know, just... some of these Baptist pastors, if they were to get a tattoo, they wouldn't have to get a Bible verse. But just by looking at their physiognomy, their body, Ooh. they should just get like a knife tattooed to their throat. Right. And then, yeah. I mean, it, that's like a meta tattoo because you have to be in the know to understand like look at their stomach and their gut look at their neck oh that's proverbs he's putting a knife to his throat because he's given to gluttony but anyhow um i thought you know that's that's a there's an option for some people we're just here to help we are here to help on the hideous bride so and the double standard so this guy when when you're in bible college you see people get kicked out all the time. Mm. I mean, it's it's almost like a rite of passage, Mark. I don't. For the oh yeah, they literally there, told us eighty yeah. percent of you won't make it. Right, and they joyfully which they lied because a hundred percent of me made it. But can you imagine? Like that scared me when they said that. Like which which eighty percent of me do I get to keep do my head? Is it just my feet walking across the plot? <laughs> anyway, sorry, go, uh, I interrupted. Go ahead, Nate. So when this guy get so he comes in, same year I did. And he is, you know, I joke with him all the time. I've joked with him in the past when he's come over. I'm like, he's he was Anakin Skywalker. Like, you are the chosen one, right? Like, he could sing, just a beautiful man. Um, and so when he got kicked out, though, they actually cared. Where I saw guys get kicked out all the time. They never cared. They never, nothing, didn't change a thing. So all of a sudden, he is kicked out. And then they bring in some dorm dad, which if you're watching, I still don't care. And... He comes in and he just stays in this room that smells like sausage <laughs> and then goes through and does dorm duties and everything else. And I'm thinking, really? Because I saw, you know, so we all paid the ultimate price for him. He got to go home. Yes. He was then, set free. He was set free. 
and the rest of us had to stay. So, oh, jeez, um, stories for that guy. It's I like mean, Moses uh, being in the backside of the wilderness for for forty years. Like everybody's like, you had to spend forty years in the like. If you knew what was going on in Egypt during that time, Moses got out of Egypt. He's in the wilderness. He's got a cushy job watching sheep, and he got a wife. So yeah. maybe the guys who get kicked out aren't, you know, maybe they're not the ones to feel sorry for. I don't know. I, looking back, I've said many times, I wish I would have got kicked out too. <laughs> I didn't have the courage to quit. So I sh maybe that would have been the better, the better thing. I don't know. <laughs> But, you know, I, I am thankful. Now I'm thankful that I finished because that diploma has done more for my life than, you know, the, the doors of opportunity it has opened um, yeah. are so small that I don't even, they might not even be doors, maybe. A you almost door, can't a fit your head door. through that door. I almost yeah. can't fit my head through the door. <laughs> How much God has used you, Mark. That's right. Oh, my goodness. Oh, well, if you're still watching at this point, thank you. Thank you for still watching. Holy cow. Hey, I wanted to just uh, remind everybody real quick, or not remind everybody, but tell everybody real quick. This week, please, if you listen to the podcast on audio or if you watch it on YouTube, go to download the Spotify app. Most of you have it already anyway. Uh, look for the podcast on Spotify because one of the things that um, I've started doing, and I'm going to uh, try to we're going to try to work on it a little bit more, is Spotify allows us to put some polls and some questions uh, there, and they're only up for a limited amount of time. Generally, um, especially the poll questions, they have a beginning and an end date and whatever. There's still one on the holiday episode that we did. That poll will stay up until the end of the month. And uh, so far, we have a 100% um, on the answers, primarily because only one person has answered the poll. But we'd love to have you go there. And even if you don't listen to it on audio, go over to Spotify, take time to answer those questions, uh, and give us your feedback that way. That would be awesome. But I wanted to let you know about that. We are definitely going to have some poll question from today. I'm super excited about uh, if you think we've been getting into trouble so far, you ain't seen nothing, nothing yet. Yeah. And um, I'm feeling a little spicy today anyway, because um, I have diarrhea. And so, um, <laughs> so I'm sitting here sucking on a modium AD. And uh, if you if you see me hide my face behind a hat and uh, just doing what you got to do, I'm trying to get through the episode without having to run out. <laughs> if I do, Nate, you'll have to carry us, carry us. So... I'll do my best to continue to carry this show, Mark. I well, will. Nate, you carry this show. You know, I'm just, I'm just along for the ride. Just along <laughs> for the ride. Oh my! Oddly goodness. enough, as we're talking about this today, you are a complementarian to me, Mark. That's what you are in this podcast. You know. You ah, know? yes, yeah. yeah. So. Oh, yeah. That's right. I was going to ask you, and I, I was going to look it up on Google, but I said Nate will know. And as anybody who will look at the title of this episode already knows that this one's for the ladies. We're literally talking about women in ministry today. And um, so the two words that come along with that, Nate, are complementarian and egalitarian. Can you explain to me the difference? Like I was talking to somebody. Now, I, I consider myself fairly intelligent. I use big words, theological words. But because of my background, 
I never actually had to deal with this. So someone said to me the other day, like, uh, my friend's an egalitarian. I'm like a soft complementarian. I'm like, is like, I don't, is a, what's a hard compliment? So explain right. to me, Nate, because I honestly don't, if someone asked me which one is which, I don't really know. So tell me what that, what that's all about. Well, I was just happy that I said the word right. Oh, and, dang it. Uh, I was going to say egalitarian or something. <laughs> so I, I, to put well, it egalitarian. Because we, Mark, along with our guests, are just with our experience and training mm-hmm. that was second to none. Second to none. Second to none. I mean, it really, you can't compare the level of training that we got. There's definitely no so comparison. When, when, <laughs> when everything goes on the bottom shelf, which is where we meet where the cookies are. Level. Yeah, it's where it's where we want to put that jelly on the bottom shelf, whatever the heck that means. Mm-hmm. It, the complementary role is more of a which what I think would be helpful is more of a women cannot be pastors or leaders that they are a complement to the men in the ministry that they are not standing alone. Um, I think that that would probably be the best simplest way for the people listening. You know, Mark, I'm sure you can look up something that's I'm Googling it right now that nobody will be, even when you read it, none of us are going to really understand. Well, yeah. So I was looking up egalitarian, while you were explaining complementarian. So egalitarian says, according to Google, so you know it's true. It's legit. It says, relating to or believing in the principle that all people are equal and deserve equal rights and opportunities. So America is an egalitarian society then. You know, we hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are, oh, all men are created oh, equal. There's oh, that. Yeah. Um, but it's so it's a soft egalitarianism. So, OK, so egalitarian is basically so it could mean more than it's not just a, a theological word. It's more of a societal principle, I guess. I think it can be both. OK, but so I, complementarian know, like in the church role. That's kind of what we see more of. of women were made to complement fully the men in lives as far as even home ministry, things along that line. That's kind of the thought pattern. So, okay. So it turns out complementarian is actually a theological term where egalitarian is not complementarianism is it's a theological view that men and women have different, but complementary roles and responsibilities in marriage, family life, and religious leadership. This must've been partly why there was the times when women couldn't vote. Um, right, because yes. men were supposed to be leading, so uh, America wasn't really, strictly speaking, an egalitarian society across all gender and uh, ethnic uh, lines. I think America has been trying to get more like that, but um, compliment complementarianism. Yeah, um, I had a I had a pastor friend who used to say that he was 100%, he was so happy that women could vote. Like he said, he didn't understand why some men would have ever had a problem with it because he said, since my wife can vote, that literally means now I get two votes because she, she always asked him how to vote. And so he told her how to vote. And so then he got two votes. So that attitude probably is more prevalent than we might, uh, I actually ask my wife how to vote most times, Nate, to be honest, because she she actually takes her job as an American citizen very seriously. 
and she studies our local our local races and everything and she's like you know who do you think you know and i'm like i don't i haven't even read that stuff really i don't even know and i'm gonna go into the polls there's gonna be one option for for a republican there's gonna be one option for democrat i'm probably not gonna vote for the libertarian because he's never gonna win anyway so i'll either leave it blank or i'll vote for the the letter of my of my choice um so because what the heck difference does it make anyway voting doesn't even matter anymore i'm sorry nate no you're you're totally fine and fair i mean i feel so just pressed about it <laughs> i don't want to get off track because we're talking about women but i mean women voting and all all of that all of that stuff yeah all well, that stuff. and that's where like you know mentioned as far as the church realm goes from the standpoint of where we would most be it's like yeah the women can compliment men but as far as standing on their own that's not allowed permitted whatever word you want to use yeah. and just the fact that we're saying this is so it just feels old school barbaric yep we just sound like just saying what we said we didn't have to believe it yeah i don't but one of my biggest regrets i know we want to do a show one time or what i'm doing in the future you know dear younger me yeah you know if i could change some things what would it be and i Number one on the list would be the way in my early ministry, I perceived women and said some of the most just stupid, foolish, asinine things about women, thinking that it was what I was supposed to say because or thinking that I was smart because I was repeating things that I had heard. Right. When in reality, like you just mentioned there with your wife, to think that somebody who actually studies and knows more shouldn't be given more of a standing than someone like you who just says, well, I'll just go in and press a button. Yep. Right. Like it's exactly right. What in what world is that? Okay. Because you're a man and she's a woman. Does that make sense anywhere? Right. And you know, but you throw a church involved and everything else and it just, we lose our minds. We lose. I can't wait to do that episode on younger me. I agree with those things that I would change. I would have to add to that list ever thinking that silk shirts or rolling up the cuffs of my jeans was a good idea. I regret those things desperately, but there are some other things that I would change as well, but definitely that. The silk shirt, I did really like the way that felt against my skin, but... um, Bring it back. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Coming back. Coming. All right. So I was definitely raised in then now I realize a complementarian. I was raised in a complementarian home, a complementarian society for the most part, uh, because my my community was it revolved around my church um, and uh, definitely complementarian in 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 church. Um, However, I looking back, I'm like. It never has been as it never has been as clean cut as we'd like to think it is. So right. all of the teachers when I was a boy in Sunday school, they were all women. They were all teaching boys, which, yeah. you know, I guess you can stretch that from where Paul said, I will that the younger women marry, bear children and guide the house. So a woman's job is teaching kids. So I think it was easy for us to pull that over into the church world and say, OK, so women can teach other women and women can teach little boys. I don't know 
it seemed like we changed that about the time you get to teenager. Women can no longer teach teenage boys unless you're in a Christian school, in which case now a, a woman can teach teenage boys math and English. You just can't teach them Bible. Only a man can teach them Bible. Um, it gets really convoluted, doesn't it? It gets really, really difficult trying to keep all of those lines separate. So like in some churches, a woman can stand up and give a testimony at testimony time. A lot of small churches have testimony time and anybody can give a testimony, but she could never stand up and pray to open and close a meeting in prayer. She could never do that. Um, I know I, 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 some churches allow past, uh, allow women to come up to the pulpit and testify is the term, give it, give a testimony there, but we're never going to call it a sermon. She can even include a scripture verse. As long as we call it testifying, then she can do that because women should never usurp authority over the man. Unless of course it's in a Bible conference in East Texas, in which case a woman can come in and tell and berate men for how they handle the finances in their church and be very authoritarian, but it's okay because she's operating under the authority of the senior pastor, but it wouldn't be okay for her to then stand up in the pulpit and deliver a Bible message under the authority. It's just, it's really, it may be complimentarian, but it is really confusing. How do you how do you untangle this, Nate? The reason why it's confusing is because it is just like many other things that we were taught and in for an environment beyond hypocritical. Ooh. So the same people that teach us that, um, for instance, the King James Bible, for instance, Gail Ripplinger. Ooh, we can learn from her there because we think that she says something that we would agree with, mm -hmm. but as far as anywhere else, it's like, you can't pick and choose, right? Yeah. If you're going to have a woman get up and berate the men for how they run their finances and get on to people. And, and really that same person that we know of, like ran the church. Yeah. Like, you know, that people that we knew and know now were over ministries that left mm -hmm. because she ran the church right now. How are you going to tell me if you I'm just asking you to follow the standard that you set, mm -hmm. right? Like that's the biggest frustration for a lot of people is, you know, if you believe the verse in scripture means exactly what it says, black and white, it's there. It's for today's America. As far as women are to keep silent in the church, yeah, you can't just pick and choose. It's either all in or all out. And that's one of the things where I think when you really, it comes down to Mark, people are just hypocritical. Now we all are in some areas of our life. I'll give yeah, you not that. me, but, um, but I know that I'm the frustrating about thing everything. that I see within the church context is just hypocrisy galore. Yeah. And if you don't want to go to a church where a lady is the pastor, that's totally your decision. If you don't right. want to go to a church where women are on staff, totally your decision. But don't fool yourself into thinking that I go to a church where the deacons are men and the pastor's a man and the men make all the decisions. But yet you have women working in the offices who know more than anyone else in that church. Yeah. Like, if you are going to hold true to that, then only have men and only at least then you are consistent in your stupidity. Right. As opposed to mocking other churches who have women on staff that are actually empowered to speak. Yeah. Um, 
you know, so those are, those are the, and Mark, even if I firmly believed where a, a lady could not be a pastor or in charge or in a role, why does what somebody else does at another church, why does that matter to me? Yeah. These are questions I ask myself all the time. Like, you know, I've never attended a church where uh, a lady was like the lead pastor. I've never attended a church like that. Would I? I don't know. I've never, you know, with my background, it would take me a while to get there. Yep. But I've never looked at another church with a lady as a pastor and thought, you know, that's the worst thing in the history of the world. Right. You know, I look at them as equal. What I mean by that is if I'm going to mock Joyce, not mock, but if I'm going to disagree with Joyce Meyer, it's not because she's a lady. It's because I disagree with her theology. Right. But that's the problem, right? That a lot of times the disagreement is rooted in chauvinism. 100%. More than anything else. The the view that women are inferior. Um, And this comes across... This comes across a lot in the, in the way that we tell jokes and we talked about why can't we laugh? I'm not opposed to telling jokes. I'm not opposed to telling jokes that stereotype, you know, men, women joke, men jokes, marriage jokes, whatever. That's fine. But when the majority of the jokes about women are, are, are degrading in, in comparison to the amount of words that come across the pulpit that build up women, um, I start to think your jokes aren't really jokes, but it's what you think. And you're just saying it in jest. Um, now, I don't know if if uh, I mean, I don't know if Nate and I are in complete agreement um, over this over this area. Um, we've never actually talked about it in any great detail. I think for me, though, I, I would be comfortable with saying I'm still comfortable with the position biblically that when it comes to if you're going to have senior leadership in a church, I still feel like home and church, the ideal would be a godly Christian man in that position. I think that's the ideal. And I think that's what the the Bible's pushing anyway, is an ideal. But I would rather have a godly lady than an ungodly man in that position. So while I, while my position is still, I think the ideal is male senior leadership in a church, um, it's not always possible. And I was just reading last week about a, about a lady. This isn't recent. This isn't, you know, in the recent egalitarian movement. This is many, many years ago who went uh, to, uh, to the jungles uh, to, to, with her husband to plant churches, to lead people to Christ and plant churches. And her husband died. And she, and it wasn't Elizabeth Elliot, although that's another good example. But it, this lady went back and she started churches. She founded churches. She trained men, uh, uh, nationals to come in and lead. But a lot of people in, in the U.S. had a major problem with her because she's a woman. She shouldn't be doing it. And I remember, I don't know who said it, but I, I remember that that quote that says, I like the way she's doing it rather than the way you're not doing it. So, yep. Um, I know you could use that to excuse a lot of things, but so for me, uh, the ideal would be male leadership, both in the home and in the, and in the church, but you can't get any more clear. Somebody said, well, the Bible clearly says, the Bible clearly says, the Bible clearly says that a bishop has to be the husband of one wife. Um, and it does say that those are exactly the words that it says. It also says that the husband is the head of the wife. So 
Um, what do you do in the case where through any number of reasons, a woman finds herself being a single parent in a home? If you're going to be consistent as you are in the church realm, you'd have to tell her you need to go get married before you do anything else, because it's wrong for you to lead your home in the absence of a man. You're not qualified to lead your home. Only a man can do that. So you need to go back out and get married. I think I think even the most even the strictest complementarians among us would reject that advice is you shouldn't just tell someone to get married just because of that. Well, no, but I think then we have to say in the church, at least let's open the door here. We're going to kick it open in a little bit, but let's at least start to open the door that maybe there's a role, a place in a time when women have something of value to bring to church ministry. All right, Nate, pull me back, push back. Uh, what, what are you thinking as I'm saying that? Well, don't tell me that, but say what what's on your mind. I think you take scripture and I understand the argument that someone could make of for a, for the leader of the church or like the teaching elder mm-hmm. or something like that. I okay. haven't seen places where that would fall to a lady within the context of the church. I mean, even when you talk about deacons, which we'll talk about here in a minute, yeah, that totally can go another direction with my Bible right in front of me. But even when you mentioned the part about a husband of one wife, I think it's talking more about like the sexual purity of a relationship as opposed to making sure that someone is married at that at that moment. Because yeah, I don't disagree with that. If you want to follow that letter of the law, then you also have to say, well, if someone's spouse passes away, they can't remarry. Right. You know, or if someone spouse leaves them for whatever reason or something happens that they can't remarry. I mean, these are things where 100 percent agree. I don't think the church was ever supposed to get involved in. Or it, or it should have significance. So um, I'm not, you know, and even a lot of times with the passage of in Ephesians where it talks about submitting, there's also a mu- the wording of mutual submission right within the same passage of scripture that mm-hmm. nobody ever conveniently mentions. So the right. Bible, the Bible is what led me to where I'm at, as opposed to, you know, culture went to a different place. And I think that I look at a lot of things, Mark, as the heart of Jesus in any situation. So would it would, it, would the heart of Jesus ever be to degrade somebody? I don't think so. Even with the stories that we hear of like the woman at the well of like, well, she was given an adultery and all this stuff. All right. Women couldn't file for divorce. So if she had five husbands, it wasn't her. Yeah. Right. Like she couldn't, she couldn't go down to the local office like they could in our society today. Like this woman was more than likely abused and used by men her whole life. So when Jesus said this to her, he was speaking into her life to show her a place of love and that he was different than the other men that she had ever experienced. That's what I would look at it as, as opposed to, yep. you know, you dirty, nasty, filthy yeah. woman, and you need to get right. Right. Like, I, I just don't think that that's the heart of God. I don't think that the heart of God is to ever degrade any, any, uh, a, a specific gender, right? I don't think the heart of God is to degrade half the people right. in any specific scenario. Even throughout the, the New Testament, when you see women pop up throughout the Bible and you say, well, it's not 50-50, it's, it's maybe you know 10% or less, totally get that. But even that for that context and time would have been completely earth shattering for those, for the people during that time. Yeah. And so, a pure patriarchy, yeah. patriarchy, yeah. the fact that as many popped up as did is significant. I mean, women couldn't testify in court, right? Right. Like these were things that just their, their word meant nothing. 
yeah. that when Jesus is first he he's first uh resurrection he appears to the ladies first right like he 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 says the first two people that i want to share the message of me being alive is these two women who at that time their voice would have been insignificant right that's the beauty of the gospel and the beauty of who jesus is, is that no matter who we are where we're at right it can reach us and help and he can use messengers that often would be those that you would look at and say uh the the you know the foolish things that confound the wise so yeah. I, I'm, I understand that there's got to be roles and things. It's just the hypocrisy and the length that we go to degrade women, but also make ourselves look like morons in the process. Yeah. I would never want my daughter to attend a church. If she, when we attend a church, if there's a, a man that's a pastor, that's not the problem. Right. But if she ever looked at the church and was like, I couldn't fit, fit the role that God's given me here because they've basically told me to go in the kitchen or watch the children. Right then I'm going to take a hard pass because it's that level of hypocrisy and really just degrading that embarrasses the church. And I don't think that that's what Jesus would be doing if he was here. I don't think that's as messengers of his gospel, that that's what we should be doing. Yeah. I just don't, I, I don't ever want to look at um, a situation. And you mentioned that guy, I think it was last week's episode where he came in, he's, he's in your office giving you a hard time yep. because he has his homeschool church and he does his, you know, yep. his own thing. That's just some guy who is a power hungry show Absolutely. who wants to take verses in scripture and, and be able to tell you that he knows what they mean. Yep. And, you know, I'm just, I'm past that, man. I, yeah. I really am. When we were on vacation um, this last summer, we went to a church that, was different from where we'd ever been before and uh, thoroughly enjoyed it. But I tell you, one of the things that spoke to my heart, maybe more than anything, and I mentioned it to my wife, was the lady who was uh, in the in the uh, praise band. She was playing the keyboard. She was old, as probably old enough to be my be my mom, and she's up there. It's obvious she was just in, but she opened. She welcomed and opened in prayer. And I can say that there was a difference in, it wasn't just that it was a woman leading in prayer. It's just that I realized, and I'm 42 years old and it just like slaps me in the face. Women have this different perspective on things than men do. And they pray differently than I do, like because of their perspective. And I'm sitting there and her prayer was so awesome. Like it edified me. And I thought, I wonder if I've been missing this for years. Um, it was just, oh, it was, I, you know, I don't want to over, overstate it, but it was a powerful, simple, compassionate prayer. Right. And I just, I loved it. And I said, I could listen to her open in prayer every single week. Okay. Question. I would love that. Yeah. Every time gifts are mentioned in the Bible, are there any gifts that are given only specifically to men like the gift of administration does it ever say this is specifically for men the gift of prophesying the gift of you know if you're charismatic you would you know corinthians 12 is okay and if you're a baptist it's only romans 12 you know you, you, they both can't be equal because they both can't be scripture so but i've never seen anywhere in scripture where a specific gift is not given to both genders equally so imagine a, a lady in a church who has the gift of administration, who's sitting in a Baptist church of 30 idiots, 
and sits back and goes, I could have this thing organized within seconds, but you know, pastor Joe, who, who's wears the same tie every week, (laughs) you know, I've got to, I've got to be underneath him not saying that she would be the pastor of the church. I'm just saying that the administration and the gifts and the things like that, like, okay. So let me answer your question. No. Thank you. (laughs) I just wanted the chance that you asked. I wanted to answer. No, I'm sitting here trying to think like, is there, there, there are no, there are no gender assignments to, to spiritual gifts. Even as far back as Moses in the wilderness, when God put the spirit of prophecy on the 70 elders, and then they go out to the tabernacle and they're, they're prophesying and praising and someone comes running out and they're like, wait, there's a guy in the camp that's prophesying. And Moses said, I wish that all God's people were prophets, right? And um, also when then in, then in Joel, chapter two, which Peter references at Pentecost, it was men and ladies who would prophesy. So not only are the spiritual gifts in Romans and Corinthians not specifically gendered, but the times the Old Testament prophets, as far as the gift of prophecy and dreams and so forth, specifically included both genders, I guess. Some theologian will straighten us out on that, no doubt. They'll try. Was it um, a lot of the New Testament guys? I I always mix up their names. The the four daughters, which also did prophesy. Yeah, Philip's Max. daughters. Philip's. Yes. Yeah, I almost said Stephen, but I knew that wasn't right. Philip's daughters. So, yeah. I mean, and people will say, well, there's clear verses in Scripture, and this is where I know I wanted to kind of just give some credence to where um, women aren't supposed to talk. You, you mentioned right. the usurp authority. I'm going to ask this question, Mark, and I think there's a majority of our audience who, and this is not this, what I mentioned earlier about our education being second to none, and we had that little bit of a joke, there is a frustration that I have in my life now as a 38-year-old man. Where I'm at now, I can't blame, right? Like, but I there's a pill that will solve it, so you don't yeah. have to worry about that anymore. I wish. Okay. <laughs> but, oh, that, but, not that but, frustration. Yeah. Okay. All right. But where I'm, where I'm at now... I can't blame on anybody else but myself, right? Mm-hmm. Like I'm 38. I've had a chance to study. But for people that have sat underneath men who have specifically taught or not shared both sides of a story, or especially that have Bible colleges that are not teaching kids different viewpoints and saying, look, this is where we're at. But ultimately, here's why other people would believe this. But you've got to, in your own mind, like come to a sound standing. Um where you have you never told them things like hey in that culture when paul said to the men when he, when he said to the group of people hey ladies you need to go home and ask your husband why would he do that because he was trying to be harmful to women i think he was doing it because in that day and age the women were never taught the bible as young kids the boys were taught the bible from the time that they could first learn and listen you know, all the way through, then they would pick the best ones to be the priest and the, you know, the Pharisees and all that. The the ladies never were, you know, some people, you can read different places where they would say that there was prayers made, like, thank God, I'm not a Gentile. Thank God, I'm not a woman, right? Like, these are things that some of these guys, it was, it was a patriarchal, very chauvinistic. You see a lot of this in the Middle East still, Mm -hmm. 
So the fact that there was women in the room learning at that time would have been earth shattering. And there would have been, they wouldn't be teaching New Testament stuff. They would have been teaching Old Testament stuff. And I think it was more of a, hey, for some of this, go home and ask your husband not to dog them, but to be like, there's, you know, you're, you're kind of on a different um, level, not because of your gender, not because of your, but you just weren't taught some of these things from a young age. Right. Mark, maybe you can correct me on that. But so when these things are said, I think it was more in that realm, but I'm sure if you asked your, you know, a lot of people that grew up in, in, they were probably never even taught that ladies were never even taught the Bible. Right. As a, as young girls, because no. you're, you're, if you take a, a church where a, a lady's been learning the gospel from like Sunday school age, she knows more than the guy she just met at her job and marries him. Yeah. So she's supposed to go home and ask him. Right. There's no way that's the heart of that verse. No. There's, there's it's absurd. No, right? no I'll things. tell you how I used to try to handle that early on in my ministry is I, I noticed what you just said and it's like this isn't fair what if your husband is an idiot um right. so then the only but the only way that i could resolve it was by standing in the pulpit saying men you need to learn the bible so that your wife can obey the bible um and because from my strict complementarian point of view and also my interpretation of the scripture at that time it was just like what other choice does she have um and i think Ignoring the cultural setting of the letters that the Apostle Paul is writing is is a big is a big part of that part because of that the same guy who wrote that in other parts of Scripture was telling a man, "Hey, you've got talents, but there's some things that your doctrine needs to be fixed on, and I want you to go see a couple, mm -hmm. and I want this couple to uh, essentially disciple you." Yeah. And then the couple, he mentions the woman's name before the man, right? Which in that type of society, what, there had to be a specific meaning of why Paul would do that, you know, because it, it would be completely different than um, you would never mention the woman's name first. So for him to say that, to say, "Hey, I want you to go be discipled by this couple," I mean. So the same guy in one instance is writing to a church saying women can't talk. And then in another instance, he's saying, hey, Apollos, go learn from Priscilla Quilt, right? Like the, right. these things are just, they have to meet somewhere. There has to be a level ground. Or you have a man in Paul who's just writing random stuff, whatever he feels in the moment, and he's bipolar. Right. I don't think that that's the case. No. I mean, no. And I'm just looking that up too, because, yeah, I mean, it was both. Priscilla and Aquila um, that taught Apollos the word of the way of God more perfectly. They, uh, it says, they took him unto them and expounded unto him the way of God more perfectly, which means both of them had something to do with it. And Paul seems to go back and forth. Like in Romans 16, he says, greet Priscilla and Aquila, my helpers in the Lord. Then in 1 Corinthians, um, he said, Aquila and Priscilla salute you. Um, and so in, in, and in Acts 18, um, Luke puts Priscilla before Aquila. Um, so at the very least, what you could say is there doesn't seem to be one that takes the precedent over the other there. And they're um, both teaching him. They're both teaching him. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah. And, you know, this argument is as old as dirt, at least as far as we're concerned. And there, you know, we're not going to be able to, to convince, I'm not really trying to convince the critics uh, or the cynics. You've got your verses that say, you know, that the women keep silent in church. And I think there's a good answer for that, but I, I grant it. You've got that. Paul said that twice. He didn't suffer a woman to teach or usurp authority. And those verses are there. I think that if you want to stand on those, knock yourself out. But there are, I think, a larger number of verses that have women in leadership roles or at least significant serving roles in the ministry of the New Testament church, both during the time of Christ and during the time of the apostles, so that at the very least you should balance out what you're saying. Yeah. And I, I guess I would just ask you to be, to be consistent and fair. Uh, again, our background, we were taught every year in January was, was uh, uh, stewardship month. And we were taught you should have a budget and men, men who are supposed to be leading the home. If you're not qualified or you don't have the, if you don't have the discipline, then you let your wife run the finances. And so you were teaching people to allow the wife to usurp authority over her husband. No, 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 but delegated authority. Well, if it works in the home, why can't it work in the church? Because I, I can't see that the church is any more important to God than the home. Right. And so I think it can work in the, in the church. Um, and I think it's, I think it's probably a shame that women are either rele relegated to they're relegated to background roles and um, nursery work, children's Sunday school, and teaching other other women. Um, and some women, that's all they want to do. But I think that the New Testament involves uh, a lot more. Let's talk about deacons for a minute, then, because you, you know ministers. That's a that's a, a minefield, and we've we've kind of talked a little bit about that. But let's talk like the nitty gritty, like. Like deacons, you mentioned wanting to bring that up. Um, let yeah, you kick got, off there. I'll, I'll mention this example too of my my parents ran the finances at a church. When I say my parents, my mom pretty much ran the finances at a church. Okay, my stepdad will watch this. I think he'll he'll agree for the most part that my mom did a lot of the you know like bookkeeping and stuff. Mm -hmm. But whenever there was any type of meeting with the pastor, my mom couldn't go in the meeting. Yeah, and my stepdad would go in. Now think about that for a second. The guy who knows some of it, but isn't actually doing the work is talking to the guy who knows nothing, but they're the ones making the decision or he's telling my stepdad what to do. Who's not telling my mom. I mean, these are things that churches do all the time that are just, it takes a special person to um, accept and forgive that level of stupid. You right. know? And I know like, I don't think my parents would do that anymore but at the time they were taught something that was foolish and, and so thought they were doing the best to, to, to feed that. But um, yeah, as far as deacons go, I um, first Timothy three is mm -hmm. weird is a weird passage because um, it mentions qualifications of an elder. Now, I, one of the things I try to tell people too, is it's funny, the qualifications of an elder are in Titus and they're in Timothy written to two specific people, not to actual churches to, right. to like, you know, always be judging and viewing other people. So it's written to these guys saying, Hey, these are your qualifications and things along those lines. But in Timothy, you'll notice it gives a qualification for an elder mentions nothing about the elder's wife. Then it mentions the deacon 
and then it mentions the deacon's wife. And that's never made any sense to me. And you and I would say stupid things, which I'm not even going to repeat on here to try to justify what that that would be, because it's like, but in reality, Mark, you know this from your time as a pastor. If women, if wives were supposed to have qualifications, why would you not give the pastor's wife? Yes, exactly. A qualification over a deacon's wife. I mean, conspicuously it's, absent. It's it's it, it makes zero sense. Like, mm-hmm. because the pastor's wife knows way more on any level than any deacon's wife ever would. Right. right. Like it's not, it's, it's unfathomable that that would be the case. So one of the things with, with your Bible and I've got um, my oh, old school Bible that I got rebound and it, it's kind of been a while, but it, it kind of like a maze color, wow. you know? For those of you, so gorgeous. Don't forget, people in Ohio, <laughs> the prophet will speak here. Okay, so, <laughs> but one of the things, context matters, does it not, Mark? It so does it not, Mark? Yeah, does, it, does it, context it does. matter? It context right. matters. Context so, is king. Context is say. king. For instance, had. Michigan lost, which I told you that they wouldn't, but had they lost, this is something that I was going to read to all of my Ohio state fan friends. Congratulations on a great win. The Buckeyes proved themselves to be superior to the Wolverines in 2022. I have to admit Ohio state is better than Michigan. OH. Now isn't that one of the funniest things? You've ever, I mean, the thought of me reading that. Yeah. After your team got pantsed and destroyed in their home stadium in front of 105,000 morons. Okay. 22 points. Hold on a minute. I think the running back just ran for another 85 yard touchdown. All right. The thought. Now, maybe three years ago, if I read something like that, it would make sense. Mm. But context matters. So when I read something like that. <laughs> oh. it, it just almost makes me laugh to think that it almost somebody makes you laugh. to think that somebody thought that that would have actually happened. I mean, it's absurd. It's absurd. So. <laughs> So context matters. So yes, had, context matters. Had to have a little bit of fun there. Yeah, yeah. In the Bible, as Mark always mocks my grammatical stupidiosity, okay? <laughs> or I think it's astasy. I'm sorry. Um, so, so in the Bible, Mark, especially the King James Bible, which we were raised on, mm-hmm. if there's words in italics, what, what were those added for? Convenience, I think. They're added to... So in the view of the translator, it gave the best sense of the of the underlying Greek or Hebrew. View of the who? In the view of the translators. Right. That's oh, that's the double inspiration because right, when they yes. translate. Oh yes, God said, put these italicized words in. Because they could add to the Bible and yes. then it re-solidified. Okay. So actually they had greater, they had more um they, they were more ethical than that. If they actually believed that it was inspiration, they wouldn't have put it in italics. The fact that they put it in italics means they didn't think it was. But anyway, whatever. Oh, so 
we actually elevate them more than they did. Okay. Yeah. But there weren't any women on the committee. So, you know, that would make sense. That's part of the problem. A word like church, it couldn't have been added at that time for the translators in the moment. And baptism wouldn't be immersion because there was sprinkler any okay i'm I'm learning a lot see Mm -hmm. i you know Mm -hmm. it's it's important so when it comes to likewise must the deacons be grave Mm -hmm. not double tongue given you know um and then it mentions for a couple verses there some of their things and then verse number 11 it says even so must their wives be grave Mm -hmm. now must there is in italics mm-hmm. as Mark so eloquently stated why that that would be. And then in my Bible, one of the things that I remember, Mark, this was years ago as I'm reading the scripture and I've got one of these Bibles that will take words and it'll, it'll give you what could be another meaning or a, what a possible oh. meaning of that would be. Okay. So where wives there, this Bible. Now this is probably because it's Thomas Nelson. Yeah. If it was something like local church Bible publishing company, they wouldn't right. put women. Thomas Nelson. Here because they, the you know, yeah, exactly. You know, the six, six, six and yep. things like that. I'm sure Thomas anyways. So if you took out the italicized words, right, it would say even so wives. Well, that doesn't make sense, right? right. It says, even so must their wives. But what if you change the word wives to women? Even so, must must their women, right? Would that be? Um, I don't think we're ever supposed to possess other, right? It wouldn't be your women. It wouldn't be right. So there's 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 a way where if you just read it, right? Okay, where if you took out the italicized words, and if you were to take wives and also translate it women, it could say even so women be grave because it gave qualifications for men. And then if the next verse said, even so women, it could get qualifications for women that fit the same role as men. Yeah. Now there are parts in scripture and I'll pass this over to you where like the book of Romans, the, the Phoebe who delivered it, the same word in some translations actually says deacon. Yeah. Because that same word pops up in different parts of throughout scripture basically means servant. Absolutely. But Paul says, Hey, she is on business, but she's also delivering this letter, which at that time, whoever delivered the letter would act, would also answer questions within it. Yeah. Now, the book of Romans, we can't agree today what that certain chapters mean. And here this lady is teaching the guys. And then Paul also says, even at some parts, like, hey, help her and learn from her. Right. Yep. So these are things where um, just some thought, food for thought. Well, okay. So you said you were going to pass it over to me, but then you said it. So I have nothing. So I'm going to go back Sorry. to the women and the wives thing. It, it is, you know, it is true in translation that, you know, this idea of word for word is, is wrong headed in many cases anyway. For one thing, any one word might have uh, a nuance of meaning. We have English words that are uh, that that same English word means different things depending on the context that you use it in. Um, and so I, I want to be careful in how I'm saying this because if, if we're going to get attacked for any episode, it's going to be this one, but the word translated their wives is, is oftentimes in the King James simply translated woman. Um, 
So, I mean, I mean, it's not just you saying it could be like it literally is many times. In fact, when Jesus talked to his mother, he said, woman, what have I to do with the same word that's found in in that letter um, to Timothy that you just quoted from? And it just there it's translated woman. It wasn't meaning Jesus. Jesus, what was he saying to her wife? Of course he wasn't. It was his mother. Um, but you know, other places like, for example, John 6, 18 or Mark 6, 18, John said unto Herod, it is not lawful for thee to have thy brother, thy brother's wife in your translation in English, maybe even in 1611, it was better to say your brother's wife than your brother's woman. Um, but there definitely was a property aspect in play at that for in the first century. Um, so translators had to choose which of these words they thought fit in in the context. I personally don't have a problem with the word wife in Paul's letter to Timothy, but um, I'll have to think more about, about what you're saying, what you're saying there. I just for years taught that the reason, so my perspective had been, if a pastor could only be a man, then it doesn't matter about his wife, I guess. But maybe the reason why, which doesn't make sense because everybody cares about the pastor's wife. I mean, we call them the first women, the first lady of whatever church or whatever. But right. specifically when it came to the deacons, they were servants. I, th I said, I've always taught that it, it appeared here that this was a husband and wife role. Like these two served together. That's why the qualifications were there where we might not have a husband and wife serving as a pastoral team, but I could be wrong about that. I probably am, but that's how I, that's how I taught it. It's like, well, we don't have a husband and wife as a pastoral team, but when it comes to deacons, the husbands and wives do it together because let's be honest, there are some aspects of serving in the church that a woman is more qualified to address than, and I'm not talking about changing diapers in the nursery. Right. And again, goes back to that lady praying. Women have a perspective that men don't have. They have a value and a perspective and a gifting that we are making a horrible mistake to be ignoring. And one that it doesn't appear that the, that the New Testament church did. When it comes to Phoebe, it literally says in Romans 16 um, that she was the servant. Paul said she was the servant of the church or a servant of the, of the church at, uh, at whatever that is, Sincrea. Um, but it's diaconos, it's it's deacon. And so I get it. Somebody's gonna say, well, yes, deacon meant servant, but then there was a classification of servants and that's what we call deacons. And uh, you know, that's a good discussion. And there's, I think there's even some validity to it. I mean, Paul does seem to single out some men in those conversations. I got no problem with that. My problem is when we ignore how many other places and times when women had significant roles like Phoebe in Romans, like uh, uh, like the lady that Paul sent to the church and said, I'm sending her to you with with a job to do help her, which means she's going to be over you. She's going to be in charge. She's going to have some instructions and you need to listen to her and help her in whatever her task is. It ignores the fact that Jesus own earthly ministry was included women. They weren't apostles in the office sense, but they, they included women and was financed by women. And that 
the first two the first two messengers the first two apostles by the use of the word not the title but the first two apostles after the resurrection were women told to go and tell the apostles that jesus was raised and he didn't do that stuff on accident like he didn't do that stuff on accident we've said for years even in our complementarian churches that the gospel elevates the role of women i just wish that we actually acted like it in in our churches and i'm still struggling with it i mean i'm being honest I'm, i still struggle with it like you said if i didn't have a church to go to and i went to a church where a woman was the pastor i would struggle it would take me some time it, it wouldn't even now it wouldn't be my first choice but i'm not saying that makes it incorrect i'm just saying i i'm, I'm aware of my bias and my presuppositions and my background and it's not as easy just to get rid of that stuff as as we think it is I'm with you. And I think the frustration that, that someone like me has is not that there's churches without women in leadership. I mean, I, the churches I attend, the men are pastors, right? Like, so I'm Mm -hmm. not to be full, fully transparent. So I'm not looking like the ultimate hypocrite. I'm just saying the frustration that I have is instead of just saying, Hey, we believe that men are supposed to fit these roles. We also find a way to degrade women. Right. And just like, there's an overreaction sometimes on the left to not just make women equal, but make them, you know, uh, superior. Mm -hmm. That's no better. That's just as foolish on the other side as, you know, um, if, if I went to a church where a woman is a pastor, I mean, would that happen? I don't don't know. It's never really been an issue yet. I mean, you know, but if, if I was, I wouldn't, I would want it to be, she's the best qualified and she's the best pastor for my family, not, Hey, I go to a church where there's a woman as a pastor. Okay. That's crazy. Like, yeah. I look at our vice president. I don't mock her for some of the things she does because she's a woman. Right. If, if a man vice president was doing the weird laugh and saying really stupid things and talking to adults, you mock the president, not because he's a man, but because of some of the things he says. Exactly. I mean, it's, it's one of those things where it's, we're allowed to, if you're in that role, treat you as an equal. Mm-hmm. And I think that when it comes to this, the thing that saddens me, Mark, is that I see some of these churches do some archaic things where there's no way that women should be treated the way that they're treated within churches. I'm not saying you have to make one the pastor to make that right. I'm yeah. just saying stop treating them like they're lower class people mm-hmm. and I can't tell you when I've shared some of these things with a church that I've pastored or just had conversations with people, I've had ladies come to me and say, thank you. Because in my heart, I knew that what I was taught couldn't be right. I just didn't know that there was a different way because they were the men that were teaching them were the ones that were ironically, the ones keeping them down. Yep. And I don't want women who are given gifts to ever feel like they can't use them within a church. And if you're somewhere where your gifts are not being utilized, you need to go somewhere where they can be. Yep. Because how tragic is it to take a lady who has a phenomenal gift of speaking and, you know, she's intelligent and she's a CEO in the world. And then when she comes to your church, she has to sit there and keep her mouth shut, but you'll gladly cash her check. Right. I mean, and then we wonder why women with some of these gifts want nothing to do with the church. Right. Because they know that that the gifts that god's given them they can't utilize in a place where it should be the I, i'm i'm done mark when i when i say this there's a podcast i like to listen to 
um, just comedians talking. It's John Christ and he's got some of his buddies. And a lot of times they're just having a conversation about not just what we do and pick a topic. I mean, they just talk about anything in the news and they make jokes. And John said something at one point in the last podcast. He said, look, I'm team church. He goes, I make a living out of making jokes about the church. He goes, but I honestly believe that the, that the church is the hope of the world. Mm-hmm. And then he made the joke and he's like, but for it to work, pastors got to stop having jets. Like, you know, yeah, right. and then he like made a few jokes because we're all sitting here going, you can't, it's one thing to have wealth. It's another right. thing to flaunt it like that. Like, yeah. and you and I, Mark, our team church, like I know 100%. when we this podcast, some people think, and some of the things we say, oh, they're not there. No, we're team church. We're yep. just saying for this to work, we have to stop being chauvinistic pigs. Yeah. And if we don't, the discrepancies are going to get worse and worse and worse. And the He-Man woman hater club mentality and the things that we say and do has to stop. We yeah. can't. We say things about women that we would never say about men behind the pulpit. That's right. We would never make fun of a man's body behind the pulpit ever. You can go online all day long and see, see pastors make jokes about women's skirts being so tight. It's like two right. hogs in the feed sack. Yep. That's disgusting. That's yeah. not even funny. I mean, these are things that should never be thought about or said, but because it's a woman, it's okay if we objectify and demean her yep. and that, Right. has to stop. Yeah. It's the underlying, it's the underlying view of women. You know, I want to be clear from, for my part, I'm not speaking for Nate. I just want to be clear for my part. I don't think there is any problem with holding the biblical view, for example, that the role of pastor is uniquely for a man. I have no problem with that. It's still my position. Now I'll justify it this way. When I decided to get married, when I wanted to get married, I decided that the biblical role for a life mate for me was only open for another woman, for a woman, not for a man. So I, that doesn't mean I degrade men. It doesn't mean I think men are not valuable. It's just for this position, I think the Bible has this gender assigned to that position. So this is not Nate and I trying to be all woke and now like all, you know, politically correct and women can just do everything. I think it's fine to have lines of delineation. Absolutely. But it, 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 what I am asking is that we start thinking about um, utilizing women according to their gifting and giving them the opportunity to serve in a real and uh powerful way. Um, one of my favorite New Testament authors um, is a, a lady by the name of Lois Tverberg. I can't spell her last name. I had to practice it to pronounce it. But she wrote books like uh, Walking in the Dust of Rabbi Jesus, Sitting in the Feet of Rabbi Jesus. She's a, she's a New Testament scholar and, uh, and a, a first century Jewish scholar. Some of the best and most edifying books I have read. And I remember telling you this, Nate, and I think it was uh, last year, early last year when I started reading them, that I said, this is the first time in my life that I have read a doctrinal book by a woman, and I don't know what I've been afraid of all these years. This is, this is, this is amazing. I gave those books away to people. I got my wife reading those books. Like, you need to read this stuff. Like, I don't see this stuff anywhere else. And it was, it was just amazing. And so I think if you open yourself up to it, there may be 
a Priscilla that really could help you. Um, I think what's so wrong about letting a woman um, open in prayer at your church or share a devotional or speak publicly um, or be on, be on staff in some meaningful way, not the menial bake cookies, do the books kind of way. Right. What's wrong with utilizing women in the church and their gifts the way the New Testament does? You don't have to let go of all of your positional beliefs in order to just say we've been we've been overlooking and marginalizing a powerful aspect and every church pastor knows the struggles i can't get any helpers i don't have any helpers you have women all through your pew because women come to church more than men do yep and well i can't get anybody to help because i don't have any men but you have women women who in many cases are more qualified than the knuckleheads you're trying to get to come to your church why don't you use them? Use you. We stand up and say, Christ builds the church. You know, he brings in the people he wants. And so there's a whole pew full of women there. And you say, well, I can't use them. I mean, they're like, you know, they're defective. Um, and what are we saying when, when, when we do that? Um, I think that I'm thankful for the, I'm thankful for the impact that women have had in my, in my life, in the church life. Um, and, as I've been going forward, I've been working a lot harder to give women who want it an opportunity to utilize their gifting. And at the same time, hand to God, I still have to struggle with it because all that stuff ingrained and beat into me, it's hard to get over it. So I'm fighting against myself, trying to allow women to be able to, to serve. But women are a gift to the church, just like men are, maybe more so. And I think it's just time we gave them a shot. Hey, just try letting them baptize some people. And um, that'd be a blessing. <laughs> why? Well, I, I think okay, my, I got to say this. So I'm sorry. I got to say this. But no, why, like, why does that even matter? Seriously, I, where show me in scripture where there's even a formula for how to do baptism and who should do it. Is it supposed to be the pastor? Is it supposed to be the deacons? Like who's supposed to do the baptizing in a New Testament church? I mean, the apostle Paul, I mean, he even said, I don't care who I got. I don't care. I'm glad I didn't baptize any of you. That's not what I'm about. So, I mean, who, who really cares? But why then, why then, other than culture and tradition, do we make it a, a matter where you would say someone should leave a church or vote a pastor out if he lets a woman dunk someone else under the water? Let a member of the body dunk another member of the body underwater and you should vote the pastor out or leave. I'm just asking why? That's all I'm asking. Well, I'm sure you'd get a very solid, concise. I have no doubt. Answer. Yep. You said something a, a few, I, I think it was on the podcast. If not, it's one of our conversations where when you went into the study of Calvinism mm -hmm. quite a few years ago, you said something to your wife, like, I've got to find out if this is actually fully in here as yep. far as everything being ordained by God in this world. And if it is, then I'll have to decide what to do with it. Right. But when you went to the Bible, you came out of it going, nah, I don't think yep. it is. I don't think it is at all. I don't think that that's the heart of God. That's from your right. perspective, right? Somebody right. else may look at it differently. Sure. And you would love to have great talks with them and, and slap Absolutely. the dates to go there. I, I view that same mentality when it comes to things about women. If Mark, because someone could say, well, the Bible says it. If you're right, and you could prove to me that you were right, then I would have to decide what to do with it. I've also gone to the Bible 
And I didn't let my opinion change because I grew up in that. Mm -hmm. So if I wanted to keep that, I definitely could have. But I went to the Bible and thought to myself, I don't think that that's the heart towards ladies. I, I just don't. I don't think that saying things like what you just said, as far as being demeaning towards women, I don't think that that's the heart of God. And I want some ladies that may be listening that have no idea about that background to know that there are even a lot of men out there who attend churches who believe, just like Mark said, that the role of the lead pastor should be a man, which is probably where I would, I have to say, it's probably where I would fit because it's the only churches I've attended. I've never, and Mark, I've never even thought about going to a church with a, with a lady pastor, not because um, I think it would be wrong, but I've always been a Baptist on some level or at least right. fit that ballpark. So you're not yep. going to find it. Right. Right. But there are a lot of men who are, are embarrassed and ashamed of what has been said throughout the years and the way women have been treated that, you know, I just want you to know that, that a lot of us are really trying to do away with bad feelings and prejudices and trying to find ways to do mm -hmm. things that to be in a church where a woman prays shouldn't be earth shattering. We would admit that, but because of the way that we were raised for the first time you hear it, it really right. is. And no, I'm with you, man. I've attended some churches where it's like, wow, you know, and then you think to yourself, am I going to be like Drew Brees and the lightning's going to strike me <laughs> because, you know, or hit right around me because of what I just experienced. And, and I don't think that's the heart of God. And, you know, I, I want to learn and grow. And, and so these are just areas there. So, um, well, you know, I was just thinking about this other verse. Um, again, just giving you something to think about. Colossians three sixteen. Um, we say it all the time. Like everybody that I'm that we're talking to on this podcast knows this first. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom. What comes next? Teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Teaching and admonishing. I suffer not a woman to teach. So I've actually heard people who are consistent with that other verse use this to say women shouldn't sing in church either, because Paul clearly says that when you use psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, you're teaching the word of God to people. That's what it says. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. So Christ. in our churches, our most conservative churches, you will let women get up and sing solos, spiritual songs, teaching and admonishing the word of God to people. As long as she does it in a sing-songy way, you ain't got no problem. But if she stops sing-songy, now all of a sudden she's usurping authority over man. And I just say, I need you to think whether or not you're being completely consistent about that position. Even in that, I think we can do something one way so long that we are blinded to, to the hypocrisy of it or the inconsistency of it. And if, if hypocrisy is too strong, hypocrisy to me is when you know better and you do it. I don't yep. think everybody is a, is a hypocrite. I think sometimes we're just blinded to our, to our inconsistencies. Hang on a second here, Nate. Okay, I'll stop here. I'll start here. So I don't think everybody's a hypocrite. I think some people just aren't aware of their inconsistencies. So anyway, that's a lot of stuff to think about. And I think we're going to wrap this up and say and say goodbye. Nate, uh, let us off. So I'll take us out. And uh, don't forget, I want you to go to Spotify. And Spotify, I will have a poll up and give you a chance to weigh in on this and maybe even give you a chance to type in a response. But if you want to type something in a little bit more anonymously, push back. 
Yes, we know those verses are in scripture that you'll quote, but you can feel free to quote them to us anyway. And uh, if you actually want to have a conversation, we'll be glad to do it. Thehideousbride at gmail.com. If you are encouraged by what you heard today, but you have some questions and you'd like to ask some follow-up questions, please don't hesitate to do that either. Reach out to either Nate or I and let us know. In everything, we want to be charitable. And sometimes even love means saying something a little bit a little bit harder and uh but that's what nate and i are here to do so i hope you found this to be entertaining i hope you found it to be um beneficial in some way and if not we helped you waste an hour and a half of your week and glad we could fill it up with with that with that time uh thank you for listening thank you for watching like subscribe share go to spotify uh vote in the poll we'll share those results um next week even if we just get one vote we, we won't tell you how many votes we'll just tell you the percentage and that'll be that'll be so we'll we'll just evangelistically speaking that's how we'll do it so all right everybody you have a great week as we're marching on towards christmas get that christmas shopping done and uh, we'll see you next week on another episode. Have a good one.